0: Welcome to Lead On, thank you for joining me today for a dialogue about practical issues related to ministry leadership. That's what this program is all about, dealing with the practical side of what it means to be a ministry leader in a church or Christian organization today. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and I've been a ministry leader for a long time. I've been a pastor and a church planter and a ministry executive. And throughout the years, I've learned how to apply biblical and theologically sound solutions to the practical issues related to ministry leadership. Now, if you've heard the program before, you know that this is not really a preaching or a teaching program, although sometimes I can't resist the temptation to do a little bit of both, but mostly it's a program that is a conversation about practical issues, things that we struggle with, and some solutions to the dilemmas of ministry leadership. You know, in a recent survey, pastors were asked what's the most pressing problems they're facing in their churches, and uh, one of the issues that emerged pretty high on the list was church finance. In fact, one pastor summed it up best. He said, you can sum up our challenge in four simple words. We need more money. And that's the plaintiff cry of many people in ministry leadership. We need more money. Well, I want to approach the solving the problem of having more resources in ministry organizations, particularly in churches, from two different perspectives. Today, I want to talk about what it means for you as a leader to take on the personal challenge of being the kind of leader who can facilitate generosity among people and have ample resources to do the work that God has assigned your church. And then next week, I want to talk about some practical strategies that churches and ministry organizations could put into place to facilitate this increased resource base being gathered that I'll be describing today. Now, as we t- think about what it means to be the kind of leader who facilitates financial strength in a church or a ministry organization, it's important to start out with some foundational truths, some things that we really believe that sort of drive us along in this task. For me, these are simple statements, something like this. First of all, God has ample financial resources to fund his work. God is not short-changed. He's not short-handed. He's not without ability to take care of and sustain what he wants done by providing for it financially. So God has ample financial resources to fund his work. And those resources, while they come from God, secondly, primarily come through gifts from people. Now, that's the primary means by which God, who has ample resource, funnels it, channels it, directs it into the bank accounts, if you will, of churches and ministry organizations. And that's through his people, his followers. That leads to another conviction, and that is God requires financial stewardship among his people. So we start with this. God has ample resources. Then second, God channels those resources through the hands of people. And third, that means God's people must practice stewardship in such a way that their giving is a prime uh, example of their faith and a demonstration of their Christian maturity. Another truth that drives me along is that leaders must be able to ask followers for money. Appropriately, yes, but intentionally. You know, sometimes because I train a lot of younger ministry leaders, they'll say, oh, I just don't like asking people for money. And I very uh, directly tell them, you got to get over that. If you're a ministry leader, you're going to be asking people to give their money away for the rest of your leadership lifetime. It's a part of what we do. We believe that God has ample resources. Those resources come through the gifts of people, and that that means people must be stewards of all they have. Part of their stewardship is giving, and part of that is giving in response to the ministry needs that we lay before them week by week by week. Then finally... One last truth, and it's then the foundational truth for the rest of this program today. And that is that leaders must be models of financial stewardship and particularly models of giving. So I want to talk with you for the rest of our time today about what it means for you as a ministry leader, a pastor, a deacon, an elder, a president, a faculty member, someone who has the responsibility to provide ministry leadership in your context and to influence others to provide the resources necessary to sustain the work that you're trying to do, I want to talk with you about what it means for you to be a model of financial stewardship so that you might be able to challenge others in this important area. Now, you might be thinking, well, this is a hard area for me. It's a place I haven't really grown as much as I need to. It's something that I struggle with. Or even beyond that, you might say, it's really not something I think is even that important for me as a leader. I would challenge you on all four of those points to understand this. You can only lead people to do what you're already doing and modeling yourself. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect at everything you do but it does mean you have to be growing and on a trajectory that's healthy in that particular area before you can challenge other people to join you in the task. No one of you who's a leader would think about challenging other people to pray more unless you had first taken on the responsibility and challenge of praying more. None of you would challenge others to share their faith unless you were actively sharing your faith and asking other people to join you in that following that example. None of you would challenge other people for fasting or for any other kind of spiritual development or spiritual commitment unless you had first practiced it yourself and then challenged people to come after your example. So in every other area, we understand as ministry leaders that we have a responsibility to set the pace, to be the examples, to become models, if you will. And the same applies in the financial area. In fact, this is one of what I call the dirty little secrets of ministry leadership. Some people in ministry leadership say the reason I don't, that, I, that they don't like to talk about money in church is because it's unseemly or inappropriate or it pressures people. And I suppose there is something of that sometimes in some people's resistance or reluctance to talk about financial, financial issues. But the real reason, the underlying reason, The dirty little secret reason why some ministry leaders don't want to talk about money or giving or stewardship is because they know their life would not hold up to close scrutiny on this issue. So today, I'm challenging you as a ministry leader to take seriously your responsibility to be a model in this area so that you can challenge others both in their stewardship and in their giving appropriately. Now. I've also heard some ministry leaders use this excuse. Well, I don't really need to give my money because I give my time. Seriously? Would you accept that from any other believer? I don't really need to give my money. I, I give my time. No, you wouldn't. You would challenge them to grow uh, in, a, in, a, in a complete, well-rounded way and to give their time and their money as an expression of their Christian discipleship. So if these things are true, then it's important for you to learn how to be a better model. So let me talk about that now in four key areas. First of all, as a leader, it's important to model appropriate transparency about finances. What I mean by that is people need to know your story and know some of your struggles and know some of your successes. And hear some of the ways that God has worked through you to develop stewardship in your life and then also generosity as a pattern of life. So share your stewardship development story, for example. Mine's fairly straightforward. I came to faith in Jesus as a teenager. I was fortunate to be in a church that had a good stewardship development program. I took advantage of that program as a high school student, as a younger college student. I met my wife in that same church when we were in college, and she took uh, the same courses I did that the church offered on financial freedom and stewardship and financial management. And so we came to marriage with some shared convictions about this area. And while we've had our ups and downs over the years, our life is really 40 years of living out the principles we learned as older teenagers or younger adults about what it means to really live a life of stewardship. And then another way to model with, the, with transparency is to model some of your giving decisions. Now, this is delicate, I know. I don't tell everyone about all of my giving. Uh, but I do, from time to time, make statements publicly about my giving, both to motivate and encourage and to set an example of what I want others to do. Or, if not, to completely follow me to understand that I'm asking them to do something like what I'm doing. For example... I've been a seminary president now for going on 17, 18 years. And at the very beginning of my tenure, I committed to giving 5% of my salary back to the seminary every month of my tenure. And I've been doing that for all these years. Now, why would I do that? Does the seminary require that of me? Absolutely not. I do it because I'm the primary fundraiser also for our school. And so when I go to a banquet or to a donor's home or to some other church or occasion where I'm talking about money and I ask people to give, I'm able to say, I'm not asking you to give as much as I give, but I'm asking you to give significantly and sacrificially just like I do. And because people know I have a credible record of giving, they have joined me in remarkable ways over the years in providing the financial support we need for our school. Now, again, That doesn't mean you tell everything about all the money you give away in every location or that you brag about the amounts or anything like that. But there's not anything wrong with occasionally, on important occasions, or in significant ways, sharing some of your giving decisions as a model of transparency in this area. And then another way to share is to share your story of God's provision. We have so many stories about how God has provided for us over the years. Uh, one of our favorites is when we were a very young, struggling struggling couple, and uh, we had a refrigerator that went out, and we had a little baby with the uh, uh, formula and the baby food and all of that, and, and our refrigerator just completely died. And I said to my wife, I, I don't really know what I'm going to do, but uh, get a cooler, put some ice in it, put the baby stuff in it, and I'll, I'll go out and try to find us a, a used refrigerator. Well, uh, that day... Uh, a person died that I had been ministering to as a part of our church extended church family. he had only been coming to our church for a short time, but he had a very dear friend who was a part of our church. So I went to the hospital, learned of his death, uh, started helping with the funeral arrangements, and that day got away from me, and we still didn't have a refrigerator. The next day, um, was busy, busy, busy with the, the death and helping with the situation and initial planning for the memorial service. And because of the situation, they wanted to have the service fairly quickly. And so we were planning for it for the next day or so. And another very busy day, and an, again, no refrigerator. The third day, we had the memorial service. And then at the service, the, uh, the friend from our church said, hey, could, could you come by the bank? He happened to be the manager of a branch of a bank. He said, can you come by the bank? I said, okay, yeah, I can come by the bank. I was thinking about that refrigerator, and I was thinking about this was now day three, and I was really concerned because I still didn't have any money, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I had to find something. So I thought, well, I'll I'll go by the bank, and then I can maybe go close out some things at the church, and then maybe I can get this refrigerator thing figured out. So I went by the bank, and he said, you know, the gentleman that died, before he died, uh, he knew that you had meant a lot to him, and you'd helped him uh, near the end of his life, and he wanted to give you something. And I thought, really? And he said, yeah, he wrote this out before he died, so it's not part of his estate. It's a payment to you, and he wants you to have it. And he handed me a check for $500. Now, this was a number of years ago, and that was a lot of money. And I was just shocked. I couldn't even believe it. And and I left that bank, and I went home and told my wife, let's go buy a refrigerator. And we went out and bought a refrigerator for $495 that day. We kept that refrigerator for years as a reminder that God will come through for you. God provides. And then share your financial planning choices as a part of being a model. It's, again, not important to go into all the details, but help people understand that you have a financial plan and that your plan includes being a generous donor, perhaps, and that you're going to give, for example, after you pass away through an estate plan to Christian ministries and organizations and things like that. You know, we'll talk about that maybe on another program someday in more detail, but it is important for you as a leader to have one of these plans, and you say, but I don't have millions of dollars. doesn't matter. You have a plan that you can then show as a model to others and say, hey, you need to have a plan that really blesses Christian work and Christian ministry even after you're gone. So the first step of being a model that you can actually challenge and communicate others is to model some transparency to talk a bit about your stewardship development story, how you learned how to be a steward, the struggles you faced along the way, uh, some of the challenges that maybe went with that that role or that development of that role, and then some of your giving decisions and some of God's provision stories and just your overall financial strategy and plan as it will culminate in your life and how you'll be a blessing to others even after you're gone. Step one in being a model that that gives you a platform from which you can challenge others to give is to model transparency. Then a second part of modeling is to model generosity. Now, I think there are three kinds of giving in general that are described in the Bible. Now, again, whole books have been written on this, so I'm just going to give it to you briefly. But I think generally speaking, there's three kinds of giving that you can find in the Bible. The first is called tithing, or giving a tenth of your income back to God. A tenth of your gross income back to God is important for several reasons. It, it's the basic standard of giving in God's economy. It assures you of God's provision and of his protection. And it, it's the base of giving. It's certainly not all of giving. After all, Jesus f- for, uh, fulfilled the law. And some people say, well, yeah, Jesus fulfilled the law, so that means no tithing. No, no, Jesus fulfilled the law, meaning he filled it full and exceeded it. You study the pattern in the New Testament of how Jesus fulfilled the law, it meant that he filled it full and exceeded it in every way. And so tithing is the basis of Christian giving. It's the starting point. It's what we get to and then say, now we're at square one. The second kind of giving is what I call offerings. An offering, a simple description would be any gift beyond the tithe. Now, offerings are important because they demonstrate generosity and they overcome legalism. I remember that I once had a church member who sent in a check every week for her tithe, and it would be something like this, $96.32. It was always a to-the-penny-tenth of what God required of her. And I thought, how unfortunate that she's legalistically paying her dues to God. Why not just round it off to $100 and include a little offering in there to overcome that legalism? So an offering is any gift beyond the tithe, and these offerings are important because they demonstrate generosity, and they overcome legalism, and they give us a spirit of freedom in our giving that a legalistic kind of determination doesn't always do. And then a third kind of giving, which uh, is often overlooked, is what I call almsgiving or ALMS, almsgiving. And alms in the Bible are secret gifts to help people in need. And alms giving is so important because it helps purify our giving motives. It's often handed out in cash. You're not going to get any tax credit for it. Nobody's going to recognize your generosity in this context. But it helps to so it helps to purify your motives, and it really helps to personalize your giving. You know, most of the giving I do is what I is is organizational giving. I give to my church. I give to my seminary. I give to some mission organizations. But almsgiving is when you hand a person $20 and say, go get lunch, or $100 and say, I want to buy groceries for your family. It's personal giving that just simply says, I see you in need and I want to help you. Now, you're probably thinking, man, I am a pastor living on a barely making it salary. How can I do all this generous giving? I'm not talking about huge amounts of money here. I'm talking about setting a pattern, a model, where you say, I'm going to give a tithe of my income as a basic standard of my giving, but I'm going to give a little more than that and support a missionary or a school or a project. And then from time to time, I'm just going to keep $20 in my wallet because I'm going to come across somebody who has a need, and I'm just going to be able to hand it to them and say, hey, look, just put this on your need. Let me help you a little bit. That's almsgiving. So whether you're talking about giving a few dollars or talking about giving away millions of dollars is not the point right now. The point is that you're trying to establish yourself as a model that others can follow, and these three kinds of giving establish that sort of credibility platform, if you will, to challenge others to do the same thing. Well, a third way to model, you're gonna model transparency and model generosity. Here's the third thing, model discipline. Now there's a number of aspects of this. Uh, Modeling discipline means, for example, living on a budget. It also means living on a margin which means living within your means. And in order to do all of that, you're going to have to learn to live out your priorities, meaning that you establish some priorities, those priorities are converted into a budget, that budget is within your means and maintains a little bit of margin in your life. Now again, you may be hearing this and thinking, my word, you must think that I've got all the money in the world. Look, a budget is not determined by how much money you have. It's determined by how much discipline you want to demonstrate in spending the money you have. And so a budget is not about just having large amounts that you can distribute. A budget is about saying, this is how I want to spend my money. I want to prioritize this and this and this and this. And these other items are lesser priority, and they're going to get lesser resources. Modeling financial discipline by living on a budget living out your priorities, modeling, uh, dis, uh, modeling that you're on a margin and within your means, these are significant steps for you to establish a platform of credibility from which you can challenge others in their stewardship and their giving. And then finally, model planning. Model financial planning, meaning that you are taking care of some things that are a part of living in our culture today. For example, saving for retirement. Uh, I realize this is a challenging thing to do, but being able to put aside a little bit of money, especially early on in life, so that it capitalizes and uh, grows over time, that is a, an important part of fulfilling that biblical mandate to take care of yourself as you age and to take care of a widow that you might leave someday, these kinds of things. But beyond the financial planning about retirement, there's also things like uh, protecting your family through providing insurance and emergency savings and things like that. Again, these, these may sound insurmountable, but it's not so much the amount as it is at this point, the pattern. And then finally, in the area of planning, as I've already mentioned earlier on the show, you want to have a financial plan that includes an estate plan or a plan for what happens to you after you're gone. You know, a lot of people think that's not important because they're not going to have very much. But, you know, if you own a home or if you have any assets at all, you'll be amazed at how they'll grow over time and how having a good plan is essential uh, when you get to the end of life. Now, this show today it is not a financial planning workshop. Okay. Let's go back to the point. This program today is about you establishing yourself as a leader that models financial stewardship so that you might be able to challenge others to live out a life of financial stewardship, which includes generosity giving tithes and offerings and alms to support Christian work, Christian ministry, and Christian people. So next week on the program, we're going to talk about some strategies that are more organizationally focused, how you actually put some things into practice in your church or in your ministry setting that will facilitate people following you in this model. But before we can get there, you've got to establish yourself as a person who's able to set the pace in this important area of life. You know, people are looking for models. They're not only looking for models in morality. They're not only looking for models in marriage or models in parenting or models in prayer or witnessing. They're also looking for models in how to live in a way that's appropriate financially today. And you can do that. You as a ministry leader can model transparency, generosity, discipline, and planning. And as you set the pace in these four areas, you gain a credibility that gives you the authority to speak on these subjects and to speak into the lives of people who desperately need this information. You know, one of the myths today about among some ministry leaders is, well, people at church don't like to hear about money, and particularly non-Christians don't like to hear about money. Well, people in church, including non-Christians who visit, don't want to hear give, 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 give. They want to hear a more well-rounded biblical approach to stewardship. They really do. They know that their families are struggling financially. They know their marriages are often marked by conflict over money. They know that they're struggling with questions like, how do I pay for my kids to go to college or How do I get the car fixed? Or how do we ever find a little bit of money for just a simple vacation? People do want to talk about money. And so as a ministry leader, you can lead out in the area of stewardship. And ultimately, that will result in the giving that you need. To answer that question from the beginning of the program, we need more money. Where do we get it? Hey, we're talking about money. We're talking about what it means to model stewardship that leads to generosity. You can do it as you lead on. Have you ever wanted to earn your doctorate degree? Gateway Seminary's Doctor of Ministry program is practical, affordable, and designed for working adults just like you. A Doctor of Ministry degree takes about three years to complete, and it's gonna help you become a better leader and open up new opportunities. Imagine having your doctorate in three years. You can do it. Visit gs.edu DMIN. Applications are due April 1st, so don't delay gs.edu DMIN.